This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, by George Webb, but you read a, a book like by Bobby Kennedy, you want to interview him. We have another great journalist in the audience right now, which is uh, Housatonic Live that you entered. I don't know if you've interviewed Mark Kulak yet, uh, but but he's a, a exceptional researcher and he leads a research group out of Was- uh, out of Boston near uh, Lexington and Concord. I think that's a little place in history. Uh, and he, we go out to these places. We just, I just was up there meeting with Mark, and we go out to Hanscom Air Force Base, which is, you know, right next to this uh, bio testing group called T2 that always seems to have the bio test the same day the virus comes out. You know, T2 bio systems and. And here's Lincoln Labs, and they're putting all the radiation on the monkeys, and the tumors are coming out, and they're extracting the tumors, and then coming up the new uh, viruses and bioweapons. Um, so, and then the monkeys all come out of the uh, truck uh, somewhere. That was the biggest <laughs> load of BS I've ever heard. Where it's, the monkeys broke free, and it was like, I mean, what? That's that's that that's that feeling in in late 2002 when they realized that the American support for Afghanistan was kind of waning down after like 18 months. And they were like, Hey, no, 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 no. We, we were, we needed something for the big haul. And they're like, all of a sudden they're like, Saddam needs for Iraq needs free trade. And it's like, hold on. We're what's happening here. Like COVID's dying down and it's like, all right, guys, hear me out. A bunch of monkeys escaped from, and it's like, who's writing this? This is the CIA's B team. They're like monkeys running around and they, I don't know, they took Henry Kissinger hostage. And it's like, listen, man, just roll out the new world order. Like, stop tugging us. Just, you know, just come out and say, hey, uh, there's a new global tyranny system. Like, don't, at least don't insult our intelligence with the, the, the well, sorry. I, I, I seriously wait, was waiting because I heard the four monkeys, was it three, was it four? And then we were arguing, what, was it in Scranton? Did, did they get the lock picked around Scranton and then decided to wait to go over the line so they're out of font, you know, reach. They needed the they needed the Americanized sorry to interrupt. They needed the Americanized version of the penguin and the bat. That was too subtle. They needed monkeys running free that were shot by cops. They had to they put it in a focus group and they're like, the penguin bat thing was too that was too abstract. We need something American. Four monkeys running down the streets. And it was just like, there we go. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah, Mark Wahlberg's gonna play the cop in the movie in ten years. Yeah, no. I've, <laughs> Just re- just release Ebola and get it over with. <laughs> well, you know, you you wanted you wondered when it was the next ones were named Tau and all these other um, uh, Omega. Yeah. They were all named after these Greek letters. You thought, oh, here here comes the next four the next four waves. It makes sense now how it all happened. EcoHealth Alliance is on the case now to explain how this zoonotically jumped from the Lincoln Lab irradiating these th- monkeys. You know, there's a hundred thousand monkeys that are living in. Massachusetts, a hundred thousand monkeys behind cages in Massachusetts. That's that really shocked me. I thought it's amazing we don't have more monkeys on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. You know, it's like only four got away. Oh man, we should be having pandemics every other day. So this is crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, 
Doctor Strange love. Like, we must not fall behind in the monkey gap. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the monkeys are, it's the one thing they're never allowed to talk about, you know, when you're getting down to uh, bioweapons. But if you go back to the Nazis and so forth, hate to bring them up. I hate to bring up the Soviets uh, when they took over the Nazi program. But they, the monkeys was the go-to. You, you have some disease in the human, you say, okay, well, we can't kill everybody here, you know, at the prison camp. We still need to get the pipeline through to, to Holland. So let's test on the monkeys. And uh, then when we get something really good, we'll, you know, give 100 Uyghurs the, the needle and we'll, we'll press on. You know, this is how we're going to come up with our new bioweapons and our new vaccines. Uh, and you just wonder if, you know, all the monkey labs in our story with coronavirus you got the monkey lab in uh, Singapore and the monkey labs in Korea, uh, in Australia. Nobody ever is allowed to mention monkeys. You know, that even though they started it with uh, Hot Zone, the first Hot Zone, uh, not the anthrax, but the, the Hot Zone uh, before that was, I can't remember which, Ebola. It was an Ebola variant, right? The first Hot Zone was in the uh, area of, <clears throat> of Virginia. And then they came out with Hot Zone Anthrax, the most popular um, show on the History Channel ever. Maybe it was the, the Lifetime Network or something. But anyway, it was the most popular. People love monkeys. Tommy, take it from there. <laughs> I mean, if I get throw you a monkey lead, you got to love a monkey lead. I, no, I will. It, it's got me thinking, though. I mean, when it seems like the mandates are kind of coming down and you know, you have the weird, they're saying the quiet part out loud now when Verla is like, look, I mean, one shot provides little, if any, protection. And it's like, well, hold on, right? You have the, who's the, uh, who's that, like, medical contributor to CNN? The, the one who, the one who was famously like, if we lift the mandates, then we won't have the stick. We'll only, we won't have the carrot anymore. And she said, like, I think it was, like, the last week of, of 2021, when she was like, don't wear cloth masks. They're a little more than facial decorations. And it's, I mean, you can feel that we're being gaslit, right? I mean, you can feel the whole, it'd be like, uh, you know, it'd be like right now if I joined here and you're like, here's Tommy Kerrigan who, you know, apparently thinks we had a podcast today. I'd be like, what do you mean? Apparently we were just texting. We were having a pod. We're very clearly being gaslit. I can't help but think maybe the COVID, you know, like a good war. They like a good war, right? You can you can strip domestic rights, you can funnel money, right? Wealth transfers to the military industrial and that's nothing new. That's not a conspiracy. It's just what it is. It almost seems like COVID was it was too much work for too little effort, right? It's like um you know, it's like it's like selling a not too profitable th- like Walmart Walmart has like one of the highest revenues of any of any corporation, but if you look at their actual profits, you know they'll just let's just use some numbers. Like ExxonMobil will like you know they'll annually post up like forty billion in profit. Walmart will post less than that, but their actual sales will be like three hundred billion, and it'll be three hundred billion in revenue, but their cost was like two hundred ninety five, and it was like that's a lot of work for like not a lot of you get out of it, you know? So you can either sell t-shirts and make like a penny on them, or you can sell something like an iPhone or jack up the price of insulin. So what I'm getting at is is it almost seems like COVID was this really big masterful thing. And they're, and they're kind of now realizing they're like, 
hey, let's go back to what works. Send the troops to Ukraine. Let's get a nice hot war going. You know, it's the it's the tested. It's the true. We've done it before. We did it in World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. Why are we going to this newfangled virus thing? Let's go back to what we know. Iron treads, bullets, artillery, screaming children. And that's how it works. That's kind of where I'm looking at it now, because it doesn't make sense. Sorry. I know I'm rambling, but no, no, no. I love your choice of business options. You know, (laughs) let's raise the T-shirts one penny or let's crank the price of insulin twelve hundred percent or and and then and then you said iPhone and then like Isolin, like they were going to take insulin and, and say that that was bad for you now, even though a couple of, you know, Sanger got a couple of Nobels. Oh, oh, wait, that's horse medicine. Now it's Iceland is what you need, yeah. and it's going to be triple the price. It, so there you go. But it does kind of – maybe that was the whole purpose of COVID was to introduce a problem so that we would yearn for the days when we were just doing pointless like wars, you know? <laughs> Remember Iraq? Yeah, We didn't have to pay attention. If you enlisted, you did. But everyone else was just, ah, it's on the TV. Like COVID's like, it's too close to home to finally where now we're like, let's go back to Iraq. Like, what are we doing? Why do we get out of there? Let's go back to Bagram. If we can get rid of COVID, you know what? I'm fine with like, a bunch of APCs driving through Baghdad. It almost seems like, doesn't it? Or, or the I mean, good old days. Yeah, the See, good old days. Gener- for your generation, you know, and for my generation, we would just flip countries. We would just yeah. go in covert covertly and yeah. you know there would be a little a bit of a, cold, a good cold war what are we yeah. doing with these viruses where you have these doctors like malone and mccullough easily accessible to guys like me having them on my podcast the narrative's breaking down too easy you need a good boogeyman for that we can build up weapons against for a good three to four decades and that's that's what we want we just got 20 years out of the middle east Ooh man we don't want to go to war with china but if we could paint them as the next Soviet Union, we could redo the whole domino theory. You know, instead of Vietnam, we could be in Taiwan. We got to contain the Red Menace. Hey, man, it, it kind of the good old let's just stick to what we know. And that's just just war and eternal occupations. Eternal occupation. I love it. So uh, <laughs> now you are I think you're about 25 or 26 years 30, old. You're about 31. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're 31? Okay, so you're half my age. I'm an old okay. man now. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to get, uh, you know, your perspective sure. because 9-11 was kind of a distant memory. You saw the smoking buildings, but you were probably I was in fifth only... grade. I was in fifth, like, yeah, I mean, I remember the day. I remember going home. I remember, like, watching it on, like, TV and stuff. I, re- I remember it. I wasn't, like, I wasn't a baby. Like, I do remember it. But do you remember anything about anthrax? Anthrax probably just went... By the board. I, well, I, I remember that. I remember that was just kind of like the next thing. It was like, oh, these are the terrorists. Like, you know, they're doing this thing, but not, not really. It seemed anthrax was sandwiched right in between. It was like nine eleven, and like we got to go to Iraq. Anthrax just kind of seems like it was like a little thing right in the middle of it. it, it not a whole lot. I mean, yeah, if it was standalone, I, I probably would maybe be more interested in it. But I guess in my in my life, it was just it was. Twin Towers, and then it's like we're rolling into Baghdad. Anthrax is just this little intermission. But why? Do you, why? Well, you know, so you mentioned the Cold War. So <clears throat> people my age, from the time I was two or three years old, uh, we were hearing the Russian national anthem at all the Olympics, and they were winning everything, everything. And these flags would go up, and it would be. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
we will kill on command. And, and these, these flags would just go up and you'd be going, oh my God. And it was almost like they were superimposing missiles, you know, behind there, you know, like, and you can't stop that. I remember having a conversation when I was like three years old. I said, you mean the Russians have missiles that can, <clears throat> maybe it was four or five, but I remember crying because it was like, and there's no way we can stop it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And my dad was, you know, he'd drive me by the Nike site out there in Cleveland. Yeah, the Nike he goes, systems. And he'd go, you know, uh, you know, I actually work as a defense contractor occasionally, and these things are just for show. <laughs> They're never going to stop anything. If it comes, if it nuclear comes, and remember, I'm a little child in Cleveland. I'm watching the Cuyahoga River go up in flames for a month at a time. And they can't put it out, you know. So you, I don't know why I associated the Cuyahoga River going up in flames with nuclear war, but I did. And, you know, 40 years later, right, uh, then the Soviet Union falls. And it's like, like you say, there's you're pushing against a wall and fighting your whole life. You know, we got to get more, you know, more accurate ICBMs. We need you know, more accurate, this and more uh, faster ships, more aircraft carriers. We need it, you know, and then phew, it all goes away. And, and then you have all these scientists that were working on all these weapons and they're becoming truck drivers. They're becoming day laborers. Uh, they're losing uh, their villa that they used to have. They weren't rich to begin with, but they were, you know, had the villa and they had the uh, hostess, you know, secretary, beautiful, you know, girl from Moscow University taking notes for them. Now they're in the middle of like semi-Politinsk or Sverdlovsk in colder weather, weather than Tommy uh, than uh, Jesse's in right now. They're in Edmonton-like yeah. conditions without heat, right? And then somebody like Ken Alibet comes along and says, "Hey, wait a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it." Biopreparat, you know, there's a there's a way out of this, and you know, let's go to work for the West and develop vaccines against all the terrible things that we came up with. You've interviewed Ken uh, Alabek, who ran Biopreparat, the mm -hmm. Soviet bioweapons program, like seven times, mm -hmm. right? So, speak to that because this is the thing that maybe, like you're saying, China's the new Cold War, and, and I think they feel like, oh my gosh, we've got to go to China as the new Cold War. Russia's not cutting it. <clears throat> you definitely need that. And you also have it. It has to be a formidable enemy, like you said, with the fear of the nuclear weapons. The, I mean, we truly can't stop them. Right. I mean, you know, Nazis evil, but it was like they never they never really reached out and touched us. I mean, well, sure. I mean, they had like U-boats off our coast, but it wasn't like, you know, Japan reached out and touched us. The Soviets was different because it was it was, hey, it's not that the, you know, the distant front line is going to come thundering closer. It was. No, thermonuclear warheads were going to come down at Mach 23, and there's nothing you can do to stop them. And you need that sort of perpetual, what's the most you can do, build a bunker and put some rice and beans back. That You need something that is so abstract yet so unequivocally evil that you're willing to fight against it to any extent because ultimately, hey, I'd rather have this fight than you know what it implies if we lose. And when you have that big overarching enemy, then you can kind of justify the, the Korea, the Vietnam, the, you know, the running black ops over the, uh, you know, Iron Curtain, because it's, hey, you know, it sucks. We have to go do these foreign wars 7,000 miles from here, but 
there's a purpose that, you know, the reason we are, you know, sleeping in trees in Vietnam is because the bigger picture is nukes coming from the sky. And so what Iraq and Afghanistan felt like, in my humble opinion, is, is like that sort of that distant occupation that Korea and, and Vietnam were without the overarching boogeyman behind it. And so, sure, they hit the Twin Towers, but it was like, you know, nothing Nothing kind of came after that. There was never another, oh, no, what's going to happen? It was. It lasted for a little bit. This is why we need domestic surveillance. This is why we need Guantanamo. This is why we need the Patriot Act. But then it kind of, right, it fizzles away <clears throat> to the point where, you know, when we when we pull out of, you know, the Middle East last year, like, you know, I didn't vote for Biden. But at the same time, even, even I'm like, I mean, yeah, we, we probably need to get out of there. What the hell are we doing there? Versus... You bring something like a China, you need to be able to have this, hey, they hit, they can hit us right at home. They can hit us with a bioweapon. They can do that. I don't think you can really sell the nuke narrative anymore because everyone knows nukes didn't go away. We've all just kind of become callous to that. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, if it happens, you won't even know it. And it's just, there'll just be a sun over your city. Okay. Something like a bioweapon, <laughs> you can much more. A bio, which I still think is probably going to be eventually that's going to be the narrative is we're going to leak that, you know, it's going to be like finding the passport outside of the World Trade Center. We're going to be like, oh, what's the Chinese? They're, they're waiting. They're, we're, we're waiting to disseminate that information. But you need that because that is your Sputnik moment. That is they are over our skies. Beep, beep. And you got to have that. Once you have that, then you can. We got to occupy Ukraine. And instead of it being like, oh, is this another quagmire? No, then you start viewing it as I'd rather have the quagmire than full-blown bio-warfare with China. That's kind of what it seems. You need the backdrop. You need the curtain on which in which the play can be played in front of. And if you put the big curtain of that big Chinese flag, one point whatever billion people, they're doing this thing then you can have a bunch of little skirmishes in the forefront that you can justify as opposed to when there is no backdrop, you're just going, why are we, why are we in Afghanistan? What are we doing? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about that because that's exactly what I think at the NATO uh, military games. I don't know if you ever saw this thing, but it was this massive extravaganza with a cast of millions. I mean, it was just unbelievable the number of people. And it was going to be China's first bite at the apple, first time that they ever could host an international event that would be watched internationally. Uh, we've, we've talked a lot about it, and I've written a lot about it. Um, and you had these huge, uh, uh, these huge displays, and I'll, you know, in uh, if my books are full of these pictures, uh, these like you said, it's the old school pictures of the Soviet Union dominating the Olympics. And they were taking that out of it. And then this was the dress rehearsal for NATO and China are now together in this one world government. And you better get on board, United States. Uh, and it did seem like the virus came out of that. The first initial cluster now the State Department says came from the NATO Wuhan military games. So, uh, and there was a guy who kind of stuck his neck out in March 2020 with 12 other people on the Potomac, and we turned out to be right. Uh, but it does seem like this was the, uh, like, you, like you're saying, it was the initial screening of, this is the new Cold War. Uh, and I had a partner uh, who harbored this 
you know, little green men from with the blue helmets to China helmets are going to be the, you know, lever to lock down United States after a bio, you know, initial lockdown. I, you know, I used to think that was the craziest conspiracy theory ever. Uh, but now I don't, you know, just you wonder, what are they doing up there, Jesse? Can we, can we have a live report from the border? <laughs> you know, are the, are the blue helmets amassing at the border? <laughs> Well, we heard that, uh, you know, Trudeau has signed something with uh, the Chinese. The Chinese have actually got near Vancouver. They've got their own power plant. So there's Chinese troops, actual troops in Canada. Um, And then, you know, I've actually heard that there's Chinese troops in Mexico as well. So, you know, one of my friends that, you know, believes you know, a lot in, you know, Jesus and the Bible and stuff. He was telling me that he thinks 500 million Chinese troops are going to be um, dropped in, parachuted into America to take over. And then, you know, with this, you know, bioweapon, you know, this injection, you know, is an actual, is a Chinese code that, you know, created this, uh, uh, this, this uh, um, vaccine. And so it's, they didn't actually came. So if they injected all the military with this Chinese code and maybe they amp up the frequencies a little bit and all the military drops, how easy would it be to invade America if, uh, you know, all the troops were, you know, uh, did, you know, weakened or, you know, killed, you know, with one zap of a button. <clears throat> Seems like it's laying the foundation for a justification for a, an autonomous robot army from DARPA. <laughs> but seriously, how how else would you bring it in? We got troops above us, troops below us. All of our guys have been weakened by the vaccine, which was against a weapon that came from China. Thank God, DARPA comes out with just the you know the waves of EMP proof, bulletproof dogs with guns on them. How else would you get people to accept that? Mm, good. Point. I, 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 and that's not like a belief of mine. I just thought of that as you were saying that. And, <laughs> But, well, I used to think this was the craziest conspiracy theory possible, but I, but but we do hear this stuff. You know, this Chinese general who was doing the 400 uh, uh, camps, the 400 uh, concentration camps for the Belt and Road to Rotterdam uh, over the Uyghur territory with a million people or more behind bars and doing all kinds of testing on the Uyghurs. And I'm like, okay, great. They're trying to get a better monoclonal antibody. God love them, you know. Uh, but but when it starts coming home to roost and that same general builds a big airstrip in Texas, <laughs> you know, down by Big Bend, you're like, hey, that's a really, really long airstrip. You know, I wonder how many C-130s could land there in an hour. You know, and it's the same guy who was doing the Uyghur thing. I, I, I don't want to say this is Auschwitz, you know, perfected, but... But I do kind of feel like it's Auschwitz perfected a little bit. Uh, it, it, you know, Auschwitz, if, if Auschwitz would have had an airlift capability, man, we really could have run that thing right. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts, guys? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, again, thinking of like parallels between, you know, Sputnik is, is COVID, right? We can reach out and touch you at home. And now, so we need unlimited defense budgets to go fight this and all the proxy wars that will take place under that umbrella. But man, the idea of China buddying up with Canada and Mexico, that that just feels like ICBMs in Cuba. You got to have it at home. You got to have it right here. Wow, that, that's a good reminder because of uh, we have, again, all ships, all ships at sea, uh, we're sending out a friendly message, not an emergency message of any kind, 
We do have a missing correspondent somewhere in the Straits of Florida right now, as we speak, uh, between Key West and Cuba. So if uh, anybody has seen uh, the, any large luxury yacht over 300 feet in length, please give us uh, uh, information back here at the command center. Do you, do you know Andy? Uh, do you remember seeing Andy on the sh any of the shows, you guys? Andy Duvall, the good-looking uh, blonde hair, blue-eyed. I think he, you know, I think he helped set up the last episode we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're trying to send out a, a, a calls to all. He's missing on a yacht. Are you messing? <laughs> are, you, are you messing with me? <laughs> no, no. He's on a three hundred. He he's, he's just on vacation. He's just he's just ghosting you guys. His phone's on airplane <laughs> yeah. mode. Exactly, but he's he's with a uh, someone who is a, a very uh, 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 capable of having a three hundred foot yacht. So we're trying to locate him right now. So um, the uh, let's see, the, just some uh, Jesse. Thank you for putting up all the great. Uh, yes, it's an Oconus alert. She's would be a Conus alert. Uh, so we have the Conus alert uh, light out. Uh, Andy, if you want to check in here, if you can get self-coverage from the Straits of Florida, uh, please do check in with us. Okay. So, um, Tommy, you called me to interview me, uh, and I kind of threw you a curveball because uh, we didn't have the show set up, and I asked my good friend in Canada to set this up. So I'm going to let you ask a few questions now of the pressing issues of the day. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know what's more pressing than the than the monkeys running amok. Um <laughs> Uh, so I was thinking about one of the episodes you and I did like two months ago and it was, uh, you know, every once in a while, I, I, I love your Twitter. I watch all of your videos. I, I'd love them because it always kind of, they're always kind of like, you know, when you're, this is kind of like what started with like me going down different rabbit holes in, in high school was like going on Wikipedia and reading something that you know, was maybe a little more mainstream that we're learning about in school, Cuban Missile Crisis or whatever. And then you'd kind of find other things within there, you know, like blue links about, and then this happened, and then that happened, and, you know, what's uh, what are ECMs, electronic countermeasures, and ECCMs, and you can just kind of go down these little side, you know, rabbit holes. Like, you know, the big themes, Cuban Missile Crisis, Assassination, JFK, Moon Landing, those are kind of like the highways but you could always kind of get on these off ramps and just go find other things that, you know, maybe other people aren't as interested in, but, you know, to me it leads to weird things like the defense department building something called the Shiva star in like the eighties. And it was some like dystopian thing that looks like it's out of like a, looks like a Dr. Evil mechanism. The point is this is I like going off into these weird little side routes and like what is that you know what are these that's because that's where you can find kind of juicy little factoids and that's what i love about going to your twitter is you know there's like the big thing and it's covid did it come out of a lab and are these vaccines a bioweapon and is this all part of you know the great reset You're like okay and then you can kind of go off a little more you can interview a malone a mccola uh, a hatfield an alabeck all right, you can kind of go in a little more. And then like the last episode we did where it's like nanoparticles and, 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 and Lieber light poles. And it's like, to me, these are like the blue links at the bottom of the blue links at the, you just go way off and get off the highway, get onto a road, go into a cul-de-sac, go onto a sidewalk. And it's just kind of like all this stuff. So that's what I like about going to your Twitter is every once in a while, I just see things like this. So despite interviewing all these doctors and maybe trying to, 
get in a little deeper, I'll see things on yours like the Benassi's. And I, again, like the first time you ever brought that up to me, I was like, like, you know, like the EDM artists? Like, <laughs> and you're like, no, the Benassi's. And so I was listening to one of our earlier episodes and you're telling me about like, you know, like bananas coming every, out of our ears. And you're like, we got Benassi's coming out of our ears. And I was just kind of thinking, I was like, I've never really fleshed that out. So like our, our previous episode, where it was about like nanoparticles and Libra light poles and using it as like an identification system. I realized that I've still never really like fleshed out the Benassi's and you are kind of the only one talking about that. But what I've seen in the past is you talk about something and then six months later, it kind of comes into like the, the more mainstream. So that's what I want. So to I'm, ask I'm, you. Yeah. I'll come to those questions. I'm, uh, I'm doing a power alert because I'm out of all the things in front of me. I don't have power for my CPUs here. So I may be going to uh, a thing, but, um, but uh, so the Benassi's is interesting. Um, the I've told this story over and over for about almost two years now, but it it the whole story starts in one crowded hour. Uh, what happened was we had twelve people come to uh, the Potomac. You're not on the Potomac, a little bit further down the Potomac, but not far from where you are, Tommy. We had twelve fact checkers from all over the United States and Canada come to. Uh, and I think there's the, the proprietor uh, ha, uh, has the uh, cord. The proprietor of this establishment has the cord. Yeah. Um, so um, the, um, but the idea was we were going to look at this uh, guy from Ukraine who had these mercenary armies and he was using them and bioweapons in Africa and using bioweapons in uh, Eastern Europe and Kosovo. And he was using, he had this uh, Azov Brigade and this Dnieper Brigade, and he was using these bioweapons all over the world. He was spraying people in China, in Hong Kong, uh, for to try to put down protests. Um, and he had this uh, absolutely gorgeous woman uh, who was an EDM disc jockey uh, who was uh, the poster girl for Crimea. She was going to be like, well, I remember when I grew up, there was all these brothels and you know, but there were, the lights of the brothels were beautiful. And I, I remember Crimea when it had brothels and all the Ukrainian crime gangs ran Crimea. And I really longed for the days when you could really get, you know, play the slot machines up and down the street, you know, uh, sort of it's a wonderful life type thing in reverse. And now it's all just churches and everyone is, you're no longer allowed to have drugs on the street and, and Ukrainian crime gangs can't run free. And I really miss the old days. So we were looking into this gal named Nastia, who was this poster child for this Kolomoisky. Oh, we just lost light. Um, we got to turn that light back on. <laughs> Whatever happened, uh, we need to turn that back on. Uh, can you still hear me, Tommy? Oh, yeah, I can see and hear you. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, this uh, we've gone to the dark hour. We've gone to midnight. Uh, right into midnight. Do I, do I mean, uh, like with, turn off my lights too? We can. We can. <laughs> John B. Wells. We John go, B. Wells. We Whatever happened, we just did we lose? Uh, did we hit, lose a switch or something? Uh, uh, we, I, I still have something going. So uh, yeah. So uh, so what? Um, You're fine. If man. she could just give me the power, if she has the the, the power cord, okay. Um, or Carol. Um, anyway. 
Uh, okay, but this that this is just for the microphone here. Yeah, I just need another. I need my power block wherever it went and uh, to plug in here. Carol had it. Is it right there? Does Carol have it plugged into hers? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. Um, uh, sometimes power is very important. And uh, oh, thank you, Tom. This is awesome. Caravan to Midnight with John B. Wells. Uh, he has one of the best voices. You should you should interview. Oh, thank you, Tom. You should you should interview uh, him. We're we're trying to save the show right as we speak. Thank you. You're fine, man. No, okay. I mean I can still see you just fine. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go away here if I don't plug this in. No, you're fine. Um, I was gonna say like, so like hearing about like the Benassi's to me is or Benassi or Benassi. It kind of has the same vibe as like the player behind the player. Like we hear about, I don't know, you know, COVID, COVID comes from Wuhan, Xi Jinping, you can't have all these big names in front of you. And then there's like the weird, like who's Klaus Schwab, who's this weird kind of Nazi freak who dresses up like he's at Comic-Con. And you're like, who are these guys? Like, what is this? And so when I start hearing about that, and then you start hearing about like Berla or Gottlieb, the Moderna guy, it's kind of these, I guess this is just how I view the world is like Wikipedia links and sub articles. So when I hear about like Benassi's, I'm just like, Thank who, you, who are they? Like, why don't I hear more of them? You know? Okay. So let me, now I got my light back. Let me take you back. Okay. Take you back in time. Okay. We're out of Caravan to Midnight. We've come out of the, oh, we've come out of the tunnel. Ready? Oops. Yeah. We're, we're being garbled. Okay. We've come out of the tunnel. So we're we're gonna inter, we're gonna look into this gal named Nastya who is the uh, poster girl for Crimea, uh, and we're looking at Kolomoisky spraying these crowds in China with these looks like a bioweapon and all, and and all this. We had no idea that this uh, that this other story was gonna hit our windshield like a bug, you know. And what happened is this guy came from uh, the White House. He was a White House reporter. For a, for a very large uh, television station in Japan. And he came down to our group. He was one of our 12 people. Uh, and so we tried to get a s smattering of people from all over the country. But but having uh, writers from, we had a couple writers come down, uh, like Roger Stones, um, uh, Brian, uh, you know, Brian Lloyd was a frequent uh, person that I conversed with. And we were talking about him coming down. He informed a lot of our stuff. Uh, he, but at Washington, D.C., lawyer. Okay, and then we had Washington D.C. press come down because uh, you need that to be trying to understand the events of the day, especially when it's national security. And then there's people all over from all over the country, and you know, like I said, Canada as well. And they're the fact checkers. They're the hey, you know, we're getting a lot of false narratives from CNN. We're getting a lot of false narratives about this Wuhan games. Event 201 came out and said anyone who questions that a bioweapon could possibly be used is a terrorist. And needs to be, you know, rooted out and put in a camp, uh, even though, you know, actually generals have started wars before. So, so this is the environment. And this guy comes with the story saying, hey, this Chinese foreign ministry is saying the U.S. delegation brought coronavirus to China. Now, we took that to mean the State Department delegation. We didn't take that to mean the whole a group of athletes, 300 athletes. I think it was like 120 athletes. And then, you know, with the coaches and everything, it's and support team, medical staff and so forth. It was around 300. 
uh, in total. But we took it to mean, hey, let's look at who is official State Department. If this is a live exercise, for instance, and we've been we talked a lot about live exercises. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, live exercise is where you don't tell everybody what's actually happening. You have only a very small group of people that release uh, a virus. The C- Operation Sea Spray was like mm-hmm. this. Off San Francisco. Well, yeah, where they spray and all of a sudden you see how everybody reacts. And then when everybody reacts poorly, you go, see what I mean? We need more centralized control. Chertoff should get more billions. We should have more lockdowns. We should have more Patriot Acts as you went through. Or they would spray a bio agent inside the Pentagon uh, through these air filters, these doped air filters, which was also uh, one of the things the CIA did for our benefit in the late 40s with Operation Sea Spray. That's a live exercise. And the truth about live exercise is that they don't tell you about the live exercise in advance because otherwise it wouldn't be a live exercise. Yeah. It would be a drill. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So... We had said that there was a live exercise in uh, around the September timeframe uh, in Wuhan before the Wuhan games. Uh, and everyone said we were conspiracy theorists. Everyone said, you're crazy. Uh, the first case wasn't until December. And then we saw the cases slowly moving uh, their way back toward the Wuhan games. So finally, the State Department admitted the largest first cluster was at these Wuhan games. Okay, Mike Pompeo saying that, David Asher, State Department, saying that. What was Sorry, what was the, the date for the Wuhan Games? October the 18th was the first day. The village opened up the first time uh, a week before, like October 11th. Got it. So, so in this first crowded hour, Tommy, we got, I got a whiteboard. I show the whiteboard in my CNN. I got all the Kolomoisky people. You know, I've got all the people who recruited spies to get in the Trump campaign with with Mifsud, and I've got Carter Page up there, and I've got Papadopoulos being inserted into the Trump campaign and offering emails, Hillary emails, dangling emails. It nothing could have been further from my radar than uh, State Department NATO people going to Wuhan, yeah, right, and yeah. doing a live exercise with coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd done a few stories on live exercises before, but, you know, we had some deaths in Virginia. I was in Virginia at the time uh, that were unexplainable with these vape-type vaping deaths uh, that were happening in 33 states at these military things. And I had a partner saying, there's this guy, Javid, and he's doping these vapes with all this stuff, uh, and it's accumulating in the lungs, and they're using it for imaging. And I'm like, "Ah, come on, you know, there could never be somebody at DARPA who would be working with the Tobacco Institute to put a whole bunch of nanoparticles in somebody's lungs and then later go be able to see that in a LATO scanner as you go through an airport scanner. That's just crazy conspiracy theory, right? Uh, So anyway, that's that's the whole scene here is we're looking for you know, the the hot DJ, the, the femme fatale for Crimea. We're looking for this guy spreading the bioweapons all over in these different conflicts. Not looking for the Nazis, not looking for NATO, not looking for anything, okay? And the, anyway, this guy comes there and says, the foreign minister says these folks brought it. We said, okay, delegation. Delegation means State Department. We had done five years of shows about how the U.S. State Department ran ran the bioweapons 
uh, under cover of diplomatic immunity. I mean, the books are full of all the instances. Uh, so we were very interested when somebody said, when the Chinese said it's the delegation, it's, it's the U.S. delegation, meaning the State Department delegation, because we had been at the place where the State Department delegation was doing a lot of virus and vaccine testing. We had three whistleblowers there at this place. It was called Fort Belvoir in Virginia. It's where they come up with, that's where Dr. Robert Malone talks about it and Michael Callahan talks about it. When we come up with some new thing, Michael Callahan's usually the guy out in the field, and then they send it back to Malone, and he's over there at the DTRA, you know, coming up with the new vaccine, right? So they come up with a new virus, they come up with a new vaccine. That's the team, and that's the virus vaccine game at Fort Belvoir. So we, we, we've been doing research there for five years. We've been had three different whistleblowers saying this is the virus vaccine game, Okay. So when we heard that there may be a contingent from Fort Belvoir embedded into the athletes coming to Wuhan, we were like, whoa, yeah. let's, let's see if there were any uh, U.S. State Department diplomatic personnel. Let's just see if the Chinese minister is right. Literally, in this first hour, Tommy, literally, that's why I call it the crowded hour. In the first crowded hour, our researcher carol she's been here all week we've been doing a, a research charrette just like that follow-up fact check follow-up first hour she says hey the person getting all the bids for nato is one email getting all the vaccine bids uh for who yeah and and, and the same person gets all the bids for ebola the same person's getting all the bids for coronavirus and also zika and they're on all the teams, they're on all the breakout teams for the WHO. And they also did the training for the people in the Wuhan Institute of Virology through the University of Texas Medical Branch in Galveston, Texas. I'm like, whoa, we found the NATO Dropbox. You know, we found the answer to the test. What's the name of that person? This is the fall of the money, right? This is how you do investigation, follow the money. Where's all the, where are all the bids going? Tell me that, and I have a start on figuring out who did this, right? Because they're the people who could benefit, because they're the ones getting the proposals for the trillions of dollars, you know, from, from Warp Speed. Yeah. Virginia Benassi was the name. Virginia Benassi was the name. And Benassi V at WHO.INT was the email, right? So I'm like, wow, that's great. She also said, Carol also said, and, and this is on my Substack. if people want to read this, exactly how it happened. She also said she, she, he, she wrote a document at the same time, two documents. One was an RFP, a request for proposal, and the other one was a request for information in May and August of 2019. Predicting basically coronavirus, saying how they would respond to coronavirus. Yeah. Right, a blueprint predicting coronavirus that then two months later breaks out at the NATO Wuhan military games. That's crazy. But guess what? One more thing. One more kicker. This is all in the first hour. The the other person that wrote it with her was the person in charge of Fort Detrick, who had the security event. Still, the only leak we know about in the last two years from a BSL four lab. And, and he let the door open at Fort Detrick and had a 
it, it caused Fort Detrick to be shut down in August of 2019. And they're together, like Reese's, and, you know, peanut butter and chocolate together. We didn't know at that time that also this guy named Sina Bavari had met with Dr. Batwoman Zengli, Dr. Batwoman Zengli in Africa that same month, later that month after he leaves Fort Belvoir. You know, in one hour, Virginia Benassi became the thing, it still is the name that will unlock who actually, what actually, if there is a live exercise by the State Department in or, or NATO as a partner for this thing and how it started, Virginia Benassi is going to be the name it starts with and unlocks this whole thing. That just, there you melted, go. That just melted my head. Hey, George, I'm going I'm to run to the restroom. I'll be back in 30 seconds. Okay. I'm going to give everybody a break. I'm going to open a door here because I, I need to get a glass of water. Everybody take a 30-second break. Jesse, pop in here and give a quick uh, commercial or info, info uh, commercial about your show. Hey, everybody. Um, we do something called The Missing Link, where we interview people from all different walks of life, uh, whether it's people that are very, um, you know, out in, you know, the public or, you know, they just got small, you know, social media followings. We're just looking to get as many um, information out there to the people, you know, from different perspectives. Um, if you are watching on our YouTube channel, please like, um, subscribe. Um, there's only, I think like 60 followers or, or we have right now is because this is our second or this is our third YouTube channel. Two YouTube channels have already been deleted by YouTube. Um, we do keep going back to, uh, we do keep going back to YouTube just because it's another outlet and it's a way people can, can save, uh, can save it. So, um, please make sure you like, and, you know, subscribe, subscribing is good. Um, you know, appreciate the, you know, the people that are on YouTube and all the new people that are coming from, uh, you know, George Webb and uh, the Neighborhood News Network. Um, you know, I was going to be coming on today with George and Tommy to meet Tommy because I wanted to bring Tommy on to the missing link. And then uh, something happened to Andy where, you know, he's kind of MIA right now. Um, so he asked me if I could host this on our missing link page. And so we're on our missing link Facebook page. Um, we're also on our missing link um on our YouTube channel. Um, we're always on as well on our YouTube, I mean, on our Twitter page. Um, we just recently opened up a, a Rumble account, a BitChute account, and a Telegram page. So we do put all our interviews on there. And uh, yeah, so hi, Tommy. What's up, dog? I'm doing all right. So we're just here in Canada and just, you know, kind of new to this interview thing. We've been doing this for about 10 months. So we've had about 134 interviews. Um, we've interviewed people like uh, David Icke, um, uh, uh, Sasha Stone, cool. Judy Mikovits, uh, Lee Camp. Um, lots of people have, you know, said, you know, Andy Wakefield. We have a George Webb we've had on about three or four times. Uh, maybe even five times. He's he, he does little small little segments while he's traveling here and there. So we, uh, you know, really appreciate his information. So um, we're just trying to reach out. Uh, we just had uh, Dr. Eric Nupudi. We had him on. Um, he just uh, reached out to me again. He owns actually some um, testing clinics and stuff. And he's a, you know, he's a pretty, uh, you know, a doctor that's, you know, really connecting with a lot of people. So he just uh, 
uh, messaged me and he said that, you know, he's looking to uh, connect me with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, hoping to have him on, you know, looking for Dr. Robert Malone. I haven't been able to find any contact information for him. Um, we've talked to Linda Martin about uh, her and David Martin coming on. Um, but, you know, they, they were just about to come on, but then they got a little bit busy. But we're just trying to connect with and interview as many people as we can while, you know, we're all going through this crazy thing together. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Doctor McCullough is a, a saint. Doctor Malone's like a unicorn. There's no rhyme or reason to how to get in touch with him. Like, I have people ask me all the time, like Tommy, you've got to, you've got to get Doctor Malone for my podcast. I'm like, every time I have him on, I am not sure if it's the last time I'll ever talk to him again. He just, he just, he just vanishes. And I mean, he's probably like the most in demand guest probably like in the world right now but i mean sometimes he'll just respond and i'll be like oh awesome let's do it and other times it's be like oh maybe he finally blocked me and he just just vanishes <laughs> he's he's the most interesting man in the world um how did you get a how'd you get david ike that's pretty badass um, I had to, this is actually, he was on the 15th episode, right when we just started and uh, someone who, someone who I knew had interviewed his son and he said, you know, this is his son's email address. He's like, you know, reach out to his son. Maybe you can ask his son or maybe you can ask his dad. Well, I didn't know his son and I didn't even ask the son. I just went straight and I said, you know, we've had already uh, Lee Camp and Sasha Stone and, uh, I said, uh, you know, what, you know, would you be interested in coming on? And he just agreed. And, you know, so it was just yeah. amazing. And he said he could only do an hour and we ended up talking for about an hour and 45 minutes. And, you know, I asked him some really tough questions because I got really hammered from bringing him on because a lot of people, you know, saying he's controlled opposition and all this kind. Of, so I got really, really hammered. So I asked him some really tough questions. And after the end, he said, Oh, this was fun. Right. Cause I didn't ask him the normal questions that everybody asks of him. I was asking him like, you know, questions about trying to find out, you know, his roots and who he's connected with and things sure. like that. So that's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 So, yeah sometimes, sometimes guests just say yes. And you're like, really? I didn't think you'd come on my show. Like, having on for, for me, that was having on Charlie Duke, who walked on the moon. And he just responded to my email. And I was like, oh, it's like, okay, let's do it. And yeah, and people ask, like, how'd you get him? And they're like, I don't, I don't know. It's like what you just said about David Icke. Well, how'd you get him? I, I don't know. I asked him and he said, yes. It's like, it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. But yeah, man, it's, um, I still have no I love that. I love that when people just, you know, get in there and and just ask and you don't know what's going to happen. But if you don't try, you're never going to, you know, Gretzky, you know, if you don't, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. So uh, I, I wanted to do this. Let's reset and act like this is the start of the show, because I went through a long thing there on the Benassi's and there was having some technical problems. And I just want to kind of reset here and just start by saying I'm honored here today being with Jesse Hollop in Edmonton, Canada, and uh, Tommy Kerrigan in Maryland on the uh, banks of the Potomac there in Maryland. I think that's where you are, Tommy. Isn't that where you are? I don't think I'm on close. the Potomac. I think I'm close. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't really, I don't, I don't know, man. I exist in a bubble. I, I go to the gym, I go to Walmart, I do the podcast. I'm very oblivious to like anything outside of three miles from where I am. I have no idea. I know. 
<laughs> the the so, rest, of, rest of America could literally be occupied by China right now, and it would be news to me. <laughs> so long as that Walmart is okay, then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, and 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 some of the times those girls, you know, those hot uh, ladies at the uh, gym get between you and the curling machine, and there's fisticuffs. I mean, I've heard there's, you've, you've, you know. You've, George has unfortunately seen that where crazed uh, female fans will come up to me, and I will have to, I will have to physically strike them. And it's yeah, that's high never, karate. That's you know, never, it's you never have, once. It would be so cool if that did happen. That's uh, never once happened. <laughs> well, they see the Tommy guns, and then of course they they say swoon. And it's it's uh, they have people there to and catch then, them, so it's. And a then good... you're like, then they're like, oh, you're that psychopath who screams in a microphone in his apartment. And I'm like, no, that's a different, that's a different Tommy. That's a, that's not me. <laughs> you're spreading misinformation. Do you have many people you killed? I'm like, no. How many? It, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, man. It's a, uh, uh, yeah. No, I'd say more people are angry about this podcast than are happy about it, but. Yeah, well, that's interesting. I had never thought of that. I always oh, thought oh, I was doing good. Oh, no, 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 it is. And the people that like it love it. But the yeah. amount of people who truly believe that I'm directly killing people for interviewing Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough is absurd. I mean, you uh, you you start to understand and appreciate brainwashing, that they think I'm genuinely killing people. You know, you put out well, these interviews, you are resulting in people dying from what listen man if somebody could got if somebody got swayed by me with a camera then hey man that's like somebody with no immune system that died from like an infection and it's like dude if you died because you got cut by a branch chances are you were probably not going very far in life just it's, it just sounds like you have a weak immune system so if someone watches my podcast of me in pajama pants just yelling about shit on my on a camera in an apartment if that leads to them dying, hey man, I don't know how much farther they were going. <laughs> you know, it's a it's sort of like it's sort of a built-in Darwin award. You it know? is. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you dude, watched Tommy and you died. You had it. Coming. It's it's you know, exactly. Like, it's it's yeah. I mean, if at thirty-one I I choked to death on like a water bottle cap, you know, do you sue? Do you sue Poland Springs or do you just assume like, hey man, <laughs> maybe that guy's time was limited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's kind of how I view it. Um, the expiration date was coming up. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I want to go back to the original question, and I want to answer it straight out like I do on my Substack. Sure. I, I had a meandering answer, and I, no, I just no, want to come. No, I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just want to. Tommy asked me about the Benassis and where that name came from, and we were we had a group, a research group in Maryland, and we looked into a thing brought to us by this White House guy, a press reporter, about this story. It was a Japanese story, but there was a, there was a Chinese story as well, and then there was a Taiwanese doctor saying the same thing, that, it came, that the coronavirus came from America to China to do this thing in China. And we considered this thing called a live exercise, which is the State Department goes through uh, as a proxy for other intelligence agencies through diplomatic immunity, can go through and prepare, help people prepare for pandemics. And they can help without telling everybody what's going on. They could do this live exercise. And then through the folks seeing that they're not ready, then they'll go, wait, we need to put more funding into the Wuhan Institute of Virology to improve the security and safety and so forth. So it's sort of like a little bit of pain to realize that you need to, you know, 
uh, put some uh, a, put some safeguards in place. It's a red cell team, right? A red cell team is like when the U.S. government will, I mean, they've done it in like the 80s and 90s to where like they'll, they'll contract Delta Force to try to, you know, break into the White House or something. And Delta mm-hmm. Force will go, you know, let's take our most, our most lethal fighting force. And when they figure something out, hey, yeah, we found that if you jumped out of a plane here and then did a low opening and, I don't know, dropped an IR strobe here and XYZ, we were able to get on the south lawn. And obviously it's all classified. And now you plug up that hole. Because it kind of sounds like something along that, that, that way, right? Is let's see, you know, what happens when we do, the, you know, Operation Sea Spray. And it's like, oh, wow, this could very quickly. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, I get I definitely get, you know, like a live exercise and there is value in it. I mean, there absolutely is to say there's not is I feel like objectively untrue, but it kind of sounds like something's going much deeper. Well, I mean, the guy who ran the Chinese CDC, a guy named George Gao, okay, is the guy who said, hey, we knew about coronavirus a long time before Wuhan. And he ran this event 201, which was a very live exercise, if you will. And it looked like on September the 11th, they had run some kind of live exercise. And it looked, uh, they had done a full scale um, drill in the city of Wuhan uh, on the September the 18th. They had just installed 5G and 6G uh, with the Huawei, uh, you know, sensors and so forth. So they were going to test this new, they were going to flex this new system. And all of this was considered complete conspiracy theory. No way this could have happened um, at the time. And really, for a year and a half until Sherry Markson from Australia uh, Broadcasting came out and said and interviewed Pompeo and said, yeah, we ran a live exercise in September 11th in Wuhan. And yeah, Tianhe Airport was shut down on September 18th. And yeah, we shut the Wuhan Institute of Virology down for four days before the start of the games, meaning the games were the focal point of the live exercise. Everyone said it was conspiracy theory, but now everybody goes, oh yeah, that kind of makes sense what happened because they did a huge uh, air conditioner upgrade, a $660 million air conditioner upgrade at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in August, okay? And they were saying that there was this thing in, there are all these vaping deaths in Virginia from a mysterious new pneumonia or a coronavirus, and people were gonna be coming to the games this is going to be a million visitors for this thing. So they're preparing the Chinese to say, hey, isn't it time to upgrade the systems here to make sure that this thing doesn't break out? So in that's the background. I've painted the background way too much already. We just said, okay, who's the beneficiary? We had a, a, a rule called Kue Bona or who benefits. Uh, and that's how you start every investigation. It's like, okay, who would get all the bids? Where would all the bits come from? So Zika, Ebola, Corona, all one person, Virginia Benassi, Benassi V at WHO.int. And as I had said before, it just happens so that she wrote two predictive, not one, but two predictive documents for coronavirus hitting in a very live exercise type way with this guy named Sina Bavari, who seemed like in a very live exercise way to be releasing the coronavirus in August of 2019. And he was meeting in Seychelles with the bat lady in a secret place at Blackwater, a secret hotel that Blackwater kept and Eric Prince kept. 
and he's meeting with the person who two months later has the release. So it seems very live exercise-y, okay? So we're trying to think who would benefit if you didn't tell the world about the live exercise, who would be the beneficiary? And it also turned out this Virginia Benassi was with the Wellcome Trust, which is GlaxoSmithKline before it was Burroughs Wellcome, the company, the drug company, and then they kind of morphed into GlaxoSmithKline. It turned out the person who ran the Operation Warp Speed, Slaway, was the head of GlaxoSmithKline vaccine. So, I mean, in the first hour, we said, it's kind of like when you figure out the Agatha Christie in the first five minutes, and then you go, oh, I'm going to have to watch the whole movie now. You know, this is going to really be boring. <laughs> Everybody did it on the train. Oh, okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah, he did it. Yeah, okay, he did it. He did it. She did it. She, yeah, okay, they all stabbed him. Okay. And, and so that really was our first hour. On the other side of the room, stop me when this gets boring. But on the other side of the on the on the other side of the room, unbelievable things were happening. The person was saying the first person who got sick just so happened to work for the top person at NATO, or potentially sick, and she was working for the U.S. State Department. We had only been looking at State Department people; we weren't looking at the rest of the athletes. And then the husband also worked at NATO. And he worked at Fort Scott, where there was a lot of testing. It's where they bring all the sick people from other countries, like Wuhan, in a breakout situation. They bring them back to Fort Scott. It's, you know, Medevac is there. MASH, you know, remember Alan Alda and all that? They come back to Fort Scott first. Then they, they, they manage other places, like Washington and Fort Hood. You know, they manage other places where people initially come back, but they, they, the dead bodies, for sure, for autopsy and so forth, come back to Fort Scott. And he worked there. And that was weird. And then it turned out his mother was Virginia Benassi. And I was like, ah, oh, no. <laughs> this can't be the live exercise I think it is. This can't be the live exercise that I think it is. We were just, I mean, we were like, oh, my God, this is live exercise hell. Literally, we thought we're in we're in this movie now. Hmm. We're in the we're on the train, you know, the murder on the Orient Express, and we know everybody around us, and they're all guilty. And we're looking at them, going, "Don't you know, guys? Know that way the movie's going to end is you all all stab the guy." I mean, <laughs> we felt like we cracked the case literally in the first hour between the two halves of the room coming together with this Virginia Benassi thing. When I saw Matt Benassi's father, a, a mother was Virginia Benassi. I said, oh my God, they're just using this name, Virginia Benassi, as a Dropbox. It's just a Dropbox. She's some 82-year-old woman, you know, uh, doing reenactments of the pilgrims landing at Plymouth uh, Rock every year. She didn't know what's going on. This, you know, like the movie uh, with Jack Nicholson, Chinatown, where they're using the old people to do the land swindles. I said, oh my God. And then I looked at his father and Howard, and I, I've never said this before in two years. We had this information two years ago, and he works at Hanscom Air Force Base. This is where all the monkeys got let out. <laughs> Hanscom run, ran all of the bioweapons for, uh, for, since Vietnam anyway, uh, you know, uh, Gulf Syndrome, all this stuff. They're the sprayers of all time. Hanscom 
no, the only one of the only air bases near Lexington and Concord. The MIT Lincoln Lab, where they irradiate all the monkeys, is there. The T2 is where they do all the testing for all the new stuff. T2 Biosystems right there. The BSL Labs, where the monkeys always seem to get loose, is right there. And, you know, 40 years in bioweapons payloads. He was in the payload program. And, you know, I've never, I've never said this. Now that we're going to trial, I have to say what actually happened. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to keep, keep those people out of it. You know, I don't know what he worked on at payload program. It could have just been the chemical weapons. It could have been just the atomic weapons. It could have been the bioweapons. I don't know what, what he worked on, but it, I just wanted it to be a, a painter. I wanted it to be Jesse Hall's dad, who was a painter, you know, or somebody working in an oil field. I didn't want it to be a bioweapons payload guy, right? And so we suppressed that. We didn't cover anything, uh, about the family or the parents or anything like that. And I didn't touch any on the kids in the military or anything like that. We, we just said, okay, how does this track back to the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, right? And it immediately tracked to two guys who were suspected of doing bioweapons in Arab Spring. And we're, at this point, we're in, we're in the train trying to get out of the train. There's NATO and Benassi's all around us. The guy who runs the spy school is Giuseppe Benassi. He looks just like Matt, you know, and it's like, is this a nephew? And then the other guy over here who's spraying with Kissinger, the bioweapons in South America, is, is Pietro. And the guy who designs the sniffer, the, you know, that, that sniffs for these things, is Antonio Benassi. <laughs> and, and we're trying to get out of this Benassi world. You know, we're trapped in this Benassi world of bioweapons. Literally, this is the... This is the first hour. Yeah. No, I am not kidding. This happened. I am full with this. Anyway, I'll settle down. No, no, no. It feels like a fever. Even just retelling it, it feels like it's like you got to just step outside. You're like, what? Literally, I went screaming into the night. (laughs) (laughs) I took my clothes off and I ran down the. Well, that wasn't called for. But so, so what is what is the what is the big picture? Is this? Was this a live exercise? Was this a I mean, live exercise a, gone wrong, or was this a coordinated thing to put the whole world into some weird, some sort of top-down digital ID tracking dystopia? Was it just a money grab? Is it is it an amalgamation of all three of those? Is it are the Benassi's just these evil masterminds that? No, I think they're the nicest people in the world. We always said she was a victim. We always said she just had antibodies, not she didn't start anything. I'm on tape with a CNN guy saying, who said anything about starting the coronavirus? We said she had antibodies. We still have three people. And the, and the other thing that happened is the person who actually did the medical checkout of these people was murdered, uh, uh, Brennan McDaniel. Uh, so that wasn't fun. And then his wife was also murdered along with him, who was Hillary Clinton's nurse. At the, at the Clinton White House. So it just, it starts getting into one of those, get me out of this Benassi horror house. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it's bioweapons everywhere you look. And then we started going into the WikiLeaks. And we had already been in the WikiLeaks talking about the Benassis who had control of the bioweapons uh, going all the way back to 73 when uh, Nixon had put the ban on offensive bioweapons. So, uh, you know, it, it just seemed like in the first hour we were trying to claw our way out of the story and make it about anything but the Benassi's. 
but it, everywhere you looked, it was like the house of mirrors. There would be another Benassi staring at us. There was this health minister who, who initially said the breakout, you know, in Milan, it was a Benassi. I can't remember her name. Uh, uh, the person who was the World Health Organization who had, re had the recommended uh, home cures or the top 10 cures for the, for the EU was a Benassi for Africa. You know, all these State Department level positions, EU level positions were all occupied by these Benassi people. The driver for Nixon at the salt talks was a Benassi. You know, it's just, <laughs> I understand self-fulfilling prophecies. Sure. Right, it, where you just start seeing Benassi's everywhere you look. You know, it's kind of sort of like 100,000 monkeys, 100,000 Benassi's. But it really was a scary hour. It was a crowded, scary hour. Could it be the distraction and deflection and to get us off the trail of what the real culprits are? And, you know, my first thought when this all happened was, and I said that right publicly to everybody, when I saw the people dropping in Wuhan, I said they lit up the 5G and people started to drop and then now they're covering it up by this virus and they had the virus and the vaccines all in place, you know, behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden, because they can't have their golden goose egg technology, you know, being linked to any type of deaths or harm, you know, amongst the people. So if this is happening, well, we need to cover this up. And then all of a sudden, you know, now we've got this crazy, you know, virus that, you know, everybody's thinking and talking about instead of the actual technology, because during this lockdowns, what happened everywhere? Everybody's locked down except 5G towers were going up everywhere. I did live videos on a native reserve saying one night, he said in the middle of the night, they came in, they installed a 5G tower on the reserve in the middle of the night, you know, during this week went and we, we interviewed the guy and we did a live video of them and they said that they came out everywhere these towers are going up. So I think it has a lot to do with this technology because throughout time, you know, Spanish flu, you know, what happened? That's when they came out with the radio frequencies. What happened with the polio? Polio came out with the video frequencies. Everybody got in sick. So it seems like because we're such electrical beings and we're being heavily affected by this technology, at least the more sensitive people, not everybody, but the people that are more sensitive to some of these frequencies are getting impacted severely. And then what are the symptoms of this, you know, technology, this 5G, you know, some of this radiation sickness is, is mimics the exact same things of what this supposed coronavirus is. Well, I, you know, 5G, I, I wasn't really worried about like the six gigahertz 5G because that's down there, uh, like microwave level 2.4 gigahertz, you know, your Wi-Fi is 2.4 gigahertz. But then I saw an interesting show that Mark Kulak did uh, about uh, how they just did a stamp upgrade to 28G. And then they just did a stamp upgrade in a lot of towns unless there was pushback to 95G. And now I mean, I mean, 95 gigahertz, which is 6G, where 5G goes all the way from three gigahertz, I think, all the way, or six gigahertz, all the way up to 95 gigahertz. Well, 95 gigahertz is where the Raytheon direct energy, uh, you know, the, I can't remember what they call it, but the, the, that, the, yeah, that uh, lethal is that, that crowd control weapon. Yeah, yeah, the direct energy thing yeah. is is ninety five gigahertz, and and a flat screen antenna is actually a fish. It's like a, a a fly eye with hundreds of thousands of virtual antennas on it, so, to talk to hundred thousand different phones. But but you can direct them all to one particular person, 
you know, uh, when you've got extra bandwidth to use at night or whatever. And and the fact, you're right, the fact that they had this 5G and the, the leader in 6G, 6G is Huawei, the fact that they were putting up 5G and 6G together did give me pause. These bike racers were going around this East Lake. Huawei was right there. Wuji, Aptek, you know, Soros and all those folks owning Wuji, Aptek coming up with these new novel particles uh, that uh, synthetic particles. And I did, I did think about that. I thought, well, if there was an accumulation of quantum dots around the heart or accumulation of quantum dots around major organs, and then you did irradiate them with the right frequency, and this is the stuff they do at Lincoln Labs, right? Um, you could cause a health effect, you know, and let's see which bike rider goes out first. The 52-year-old the Dutch woman from who worked for the NATO Supreme Allied Commander just happened to be the first one to fall. I mean, I don't know if that's what the live exercise was or not. Um, I did see the people dying in the streets, you know, like that. Nobody, how many people have you seen die of Corona like that, where one minute they're walking down the street and then they're, you know, and then never and then seen they, it again. <laughs> never seen it again. We had seen that with the murder of um, Kim Jong-il's brother. Where, uh, yeah, this, that, that spray at the airport. Yeah, where the gal, the Shin Shin on Chi cult gal went, and then, so I, I thought, hey, if I was trying to push out a live uh, exercise type narrative, I'd be filming and then I would be, I would have the Shin Shin on Chi girl spray and then I'd get her out of the screen and then I have this guy go, you know, and film 10 of those and then pump that back to the United States. Like Tommy said, it's like people have to see it and it's got to be, it's got to be real, be you know, for people to, to go, oh my God, this is a killer thing. I should be scared out of my mind of this thing. I don't know. It's kind of, even just the more we're discussing it, I'm, I'm really starting to kind of, I kind of think it's, it's the, it's just going to, it's all a big thing to make us yearn for the military industrial complex. They want us to, right? You see what happens when these big pharma corporations run amok and mandates and people dropping left and right and you got to wear a mask here and you got to, you know, hand sanitize there and you can't go to Applebee's if you're X, Y, or Z. It almost kind of seems like, so when something like troop buildup in Ukraine happens, there's almost a party that's like, ah. Oh, we're getting back to normal, <laughs> you know, and it's how else, how else do you, how else do you win over a, a war fatigued society? We just did 20 years, right? Two years of this, it's back home. We're all like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we just need a good old hot war like we've been doing. All right. We're used to it. You live through them. There's going to be a thing and it's going to happen. And then we're going to come back home in 10 years and say never again. And, but you'd almost kind of so, so prefer it to, the, to a bioweapon at home. Yeah, the live exercise could be just like take the etch sketch, you know. After you don't know what etch sketch is. <laughs> yeah, but, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you shake, you shake, you shake, yeah. you know, and and then you start over, you know. And everybody's like, oh, okay, well, you know, all the screw ups from the previous <laughs> one, everybody forgets, and yeah, it's, know, here we are. Maybe it's maybe you use a a COVID bioweapon just to wreck the U.S. economy, just so we're starting to view we're like you know what maybe we just need a big old world war ii type thing where everyone gets involved and the men are drafted and the women go make the artillery shells maybe we just need the war economy and 
screw it, it's better than this. I mean, it kind of seems like there's a controlled like demolition with inflation and not letting unvaccinated uh, truck drivers from the over the northern or southern borders. It, it's kind of we're kind of pushing everything to like, and then the defense contractors come to the rescue, and it's like buy freedom bonds today or war bonds or whatever the hell it. I don't know, man. It just it all seems a little bit. And then I think maybe the more terrifying prospect is that there is no conspiracy and that it's reality really is just a fever dream and we have no idea what's going on and there are different factions battling it out to me that's a lot scarier that there's no one pulling the strings that life really can come to a standstill like that so do you think it's about the money, though? Because well, it seems it's, well, like... It's, well, that's as old as time, yes. Yeah. So no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, new iPhones or a bioweapon, well, there's always a money grab. You find out which way the tide's going and then, you know, try to make money off it. Well, that, that's a given. But if you go to the top of the top, sure. these guys print all the money. It's yeah. not really about the money to them, right? Sure. You know, they let they let the little pawns fight out the little money in between them, right? But the people who are actually pulling the strings, they control all of it. And yeah. they're, it's, it's, I think it's a lot more deeper rooted than just about the money for these psychopaths that seem to be, you know, steering this kamikaze ship, you yeah. know, right into the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that or it's, if you already have all the money in the world, what else would you want? Control. Yeah, control. And yeah. maybe you, maybe you, maybe it's, maybe the, maybe the problem of COVID isn't met with the solution of, don't you just miss a good old, good old war? Maybe it's, that's the drive for things like, I mean, how else would you get everyone to accept just living in the pod? You'll own nothing and be happy. You'll, hey man, we just went, you know, how... How do you, how how do you have a generation of people that grow up so patriotic because they all survived World War II and they grew up in the Great Depression and they're just like anything but that. If you just made life so difficult and broke down every existing structure of you know stagnant wages with inflation going up and supply chain crises and this and that and man, wouldn't it all just be so much easier? you just lived in you had one little room in a pod snow crash yeah. snow crash was the book i i do agree with jesse on this uh, that i'm not saying that the, the there's a causal link sure even uh between 5g and uh so i don't know i can't 95 you'd have to get to 95 gigahertz and show me a 6g but or something close to 6g but 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 the ushering in of this technology has certainly occurred. And what you're saying, Jesse, about bringing in, you know, during this lull and lockdown, bringing in these 5G towers and 6G towers is happening. That did happen. There was no lockdown for, you know, if you were putting up a 5G tower, you were immune. You had natural immunity in, the, <laughs> in this process. It's true. That's the one takeaway. You know, like, what did we get out of 9-11? We got DHS and we got chair talk. You know, and we got we got DHS and 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 scanners when we go anywhere, right? Lado scanners. What do we get now? We get Lado scanners everywhere, maybe virtual Lado scanners. You know that can be picked up with smaller 
scanners. We, we don't necessarily, but I mean, all of these uh, sports complexes were shut down. Uh, all of the churches and, and major buildings were shut down and so forth. And they end up putting in scanners. You just think that, you know, Chertoff wanted, uh, he wanted these scanners at every church and every uh, office building and every government building and every sports stadium. And no one wanted uh, 1984. So they said no. And they said, okay, we're going to create a, a false flag situation where you're going to love false, uh, scanners. You're going to, scanners will be your comfort. Yeah. Every time you see a Lado scanner, you'll have a warm feeling, you know? Um, and, and that's where I think this is. I, I really do think it is the next level because remember it's internet of things. And then I think you said this, Tommy, uh, internet of everything, which is not just internet of, of electronic devices, but everything becomes a passive transmitter and can absorb energy and then transmit energy. So everything you interact with, your clothing and all this stuff becomes internet of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you introduced the problem, you know, 19 guys with, with box cutters can, can penetrate a trillion dollar defense net, take down the twin towers and hit the Pentagon. How are we going to get back to normal? We're, you know, we have color codings. We have see something, say something. How are we ever going to get back? And then you start to go, thank God for the NSA. They've got a tab on everything. Thank God for all those, all the sheriffs now who now have MRAPs. Thank God for the guys with the belt feds at the airports. We're safe now. Yeah, I mean, introduce a problem and then you just bring it back. You know, you, you, you get in a shower where the water's lukewarm and it's not quite the hot shower you wanted. You step in a shower and burn yourself. You're like, pull that thing back, pull it back. Now all of a sudden you're enjoying the very lukewarm shower that just 30 seconds ago you were not satisfied with. So it's like... I think maybe there's a bigger picture behind all of this. Maybe it's not war or 5G or anything. I think it might just be it might just be how do we usher in autonomy? Right? We see things like autonomous, you know, you know, you just kind of have that visceral feeling when you see like one of those Boston Dynamic dogs and you're like this is this is no no. This is like this is some like there's something like deep in your like reptilian brain that's like Dane Dangers of dangers afoot, right? You know, it's like being alive 500 years ago and like some ships with different colored people appear on your shore and you're like, hey man, we're about to get raped and pillaged. There's just something that says no. So when you see these, you know, Boston dynamic things doing like front flips and, you know, you can sort of Rubik's Cube in a quarter of a second and you're like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, this is how I die. How else would you... How else would you not just make it acceptable, but desirable? I mean, maybe you have to have the world as you know it fall apart. We can't do this. Some people want mandates right now is, I mean, for future listeners, it's Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. There's the whole stop the mandate, whatever thing going on in D.C. You have half the population that's like, yes, daddy, give me more shots. Like, hold me down and shoot me with mRNA. And then you have the other half that's like, this is the hill I die on. And then because of this, we're kind of in this weird Chinese finger trap, no pun intended, to show just how, like, we can't survive this. You know, we have supply chain issues, but how come the Biden administration is now not allowing unvaccinated truckers to come over the borders? Well, what would solve that? 
autonomous truckers. Man, the the port problems in California. Well, we can't because some people don't want the vaccines and others do. And not the man. I bet if you had a bunch of robots working it, we wouldn't have this problem. You could get the vaccine if you wanted. You could get the vaccine if you didn't. Man, we just got out of Afghanistan and Iraq, and now we're sending all sending all these young guys over to Ukraine. Hey, you know we could do that. Or voila, here's the new whatever from Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, the new ground soldier. You no more, you know, no more gold star families. They're just robots. How else are we going to do this? How else are we going to stop China from going to Taiwan? Easy. We just use robots. Man, it's everything's kind of coming to, you know, what why do we need mom and pop stores? We could just have, you know, why do we even need a Walmart? What if a drone just drops off the food at your doorstep and there you go. We don't have to worry about if they're vaxxed or not. Man, it, it, they're kind of teeing it up for us to be like, you know, give me my robot daddy. Just food for thought. George, you're muted. Klaus Schwab writes that book. I know. It's not like I know. That's it's funny. not like we're guessing. You know, the guy writes the fourth industrial revolution, and then a week later, he writes the COVID Great Reset, and what a great opportunity COVID is. See, I haven't so read. It's not I, like I haven't read either of those, but okay. So I just came to the same conclusion as Klaus. <laughs> yeah, you it's came. Whole, it's like you read the book. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what he says. You know, it's like well, you know, we really could start doing robots. And when we went to the port of Long Beach, we had a sponsor take us out there about a year ago. And we looked at the two sides right in front of us. One was the automated side, churning and chugging away at 100% efficiency, 24 hours a day. And there was the human side where the longshoremen couldn't work, all getting the government dole. And everyone was saying, oh, this won't back up the Suez Canal. Oh yeah, it did. The backup the Suez Canal backed up the uh, Port of Long Beach because the half of their people were laid off. And that and this became the case study for why ports should be all robot. Um, and I think you're right about the truckers. I think that's the next thing that they take out because that's the most truckers are independent businessmen who, you know, they're mobile and so forth. They're very well informed, you know, while they're, I mean, a lot of the people that watch my show are truckers. John B. Wells' Caravan to Midnight is all truckers. Mm -hmm. And they just, they have internet. And they are able to, you know, voice activate and send these, these, these comments. A very well-informed group. That seems to be the next target. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, right, vax mandates seems like one thing because you can now control it's what everyone says again it's not some original idea right it's it's not about the it's not about your health it's about compliance and now you can once you've opened that overton window and you've got it open now you can just control with man oh you didn't get your latest booster like oh are you sure you're on board with this right we're already seeing you know you can get canceled for anything well i don't want to voice that opinion or i'll be kicked out of the you know the digital world it kind of seems like well what would be even more effective method of control literal robots why why worry about having to do like purges and loyalty tests when it could just be like it's a robot with an antenna it's going to do what i said we, we went over to the uh one of our researchers dave underdown took us over to the robot test center the robot tank test center at in uh, warren michigan at the TACOM. it's called tactical advanced command but it's basically robot tanks and tanks. It, they filmed robocop you say robot yeah tanks? yeah they filmed Robot tanks, yeah, and they filmed RoboCop there. And 
right out of the whole thing where you have the low profile robo, but you, but you need 5G, like like Jesse's saying, you need because of the latency, the communication latency to be able to turn and like follow somebody with a machine gun and some, you know, uh, Israeli gal in a bikini and the IS, uh, uh, ISF is, uh, you know, uh, training the crosshairs on the, on the terrorist. Uh, and then she goes for a swim in Tel Aviv. But uh, the, because uh, I, I, I just always found that interesting that the, the women uh, in the Israeli army uh, ran the machine guns or remote machine guns. Uh, you know, they, they don't put them on the front line anymore. They run the front, and literally there's these pictures of these there's, women in bikinis and tell There's some poetic symbolism in there that I can't put a finger on. <laughs> there's some like Greek, like ancient Greek tragic. I don't know what it is. You'd have I think, to give me a minute. I think it's the sirens. I think it's the sirens. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Charybdis. It's, it's one of those challenges. It's one of those challenges. There's something in there. But, that but I don't I'm just, know what it is. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying that I, are all elites going to have, uh, you know, these Oconus lures, we call them, these uh, uh, Ukrainian girls with high cheekbones um, on their cell phones, <laughs> you know, running their take-home tank. Uh, they can be run remotely. I'm, I'm, I'm making an extreme example here, a cartoon example, but this is being implemented. This this form, like you're saying, this robot control robot cop vehicles, robot tanks is being talked about by the UN and by NATO in the peacekeeping areas. But you're hoping that, you know, they're actually going to have, you know, humans that are going to run these robots yeah. because it looks like it's a war on the people. Yeah. They're getting rid of the jobs. They're getting rid yeah. of, you know, it's the transhumanist agenda, the neural link, putting humans into computers. And now, you know, with if these technologies make it unlivable for humans to be here, it's now going to be a robot world. Hence the beginning of the Terminator. Oh, what happened? No. We are the we are the resistance. Yeah. And, you know, that this is what it looks like it's heading if we don't stop these, you know, psychopaths from, you know, implementing this to eliminate humanity. It does, that does kind of seem the next step. Why even have human operators, right? You can just use the argument, you know, we no longer have human pilots. They're safe in, you know, boxes out in Nevada. But then, you know, you wait 20 years and you go, all these drone pilots now have PTSD. Why don't we do one better? Just make it autonomous. And now you don't even have to be involved. You're just involved in the manufacture of the silicon chips. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's the robots do it. They, they take one for the team. That kind of seems to be, that kind of seems to be it, right? I mean, I would say the vast majority of people in America, myself included, I mean, I certainly don't know how to hunt. I didn't know how to, you know, build a hut in the woods. You don't need to, right? It's like you live in a different reality. I don't, I don't need to make a bow and arrow or a sword. It's, it's, it's different, right? I can go to Walmart and do a podcast. It seems like it's almost one step further. How do we divorce ourselves from any form of self-sufficiency even more? Get rid of, get rid of normal jobs, get rid of truck drivers, get rid of farmers, get rid of pilots. I mean, truly infantilize the population. So it's not like, I don't know how to farm. And it's like, no, it's going to, in a couple decades, it's going to be like, I don't even know anyone that's ever driven a car. Like, I don't need, what do you mean I have to go to Walmart? Like the, the machine doesn't come out of the ceiling and just insert the glucose into my arm. Like, yeah, it, it seems like it's just a, but, but doesn't it also, if you go along that route, 
I mean, it seems like so what they're doing is phasing out humans. Well, why wouldn't you just kill everybody? Doesn't that seem like a long way around to be like, why wouldn't you just, you just, they're just kind of dancing around it. They're beating around the bush. They're just, you know, we'll move out of this and we'll do the great reset. And it's like, if the end game is just to remove everyone, just remove everyone. And is the answer to that because the robots and the AI still aren't where they want them just yet. And so right now we're useful idiots to help perpetuate the machine. 6.5 billion of us and a hundred thousand, a million of them, you know, right yeah. now there's still a lot of people with guns and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, there's still a lot of resistance, but it's like, you know, the humans are handing this on a silver plate to this small group of psychopaths who seem to not care about human life, not care about our existence. They're destroying the waters, the airs, the food is all poisoned. You know, everything is just seems like they're not here helping humanity or helping Mother Earth at all. And if they were taking care of people in this, you know, new autonomous way was everybody still had clean food and health and water, I wouldn't be doing what I was doing. If I saw people, there wasn't people, you know, uh, hunger and starvation, the number one killer on Earth still. There's, they pretend they're sending people to Mars and here and that, but they can't feed the people here on Earth. Like, it's pretty insane what's happening and hence why we do what we do to try to stop or expose or at least you know get humanity to come together to stop these parasites from what i see destroying everything all that is good here and if you look at it in a religious if you look at it in a religious connotation it's like you know the devil saying a big f you to god i can destroy this world and you have now you can't do anything about it your people are under my control if you want to take it to a next level religiously this is why you can understand now with these big issues why I glommed on to the NATO Dropbox. Because it was like, I'm going to take, you know, like at the end of uh, of uh, The Jerk with Steve Martin, he goes, I have this paddleball game and I have this chair and that's all I need. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, he's just walking away. And it's like, if I have this NATO drop, this is George with, if I have this NATO Dropbox, if I can find out what's in this NATO Dropbox, I'm going to get the dark hand here. And who knows what's in the NATO Dropbox. We found another Dropbox on Capitol Hill doing dark weapons at the Senate uh, Arms or Sergeant, Senate Sergeant of Arms with connected to these Blackberries. And we thought, oh, we're going to get it. We got it. We got, the, we got the laptop. We got the Blackberries. And then we had my partner uh, pixelate the Blackberry and destroy the laptop and, and made sure that was ground up. So, you know, just when you think you're going to have some help, um, I don't know. I, I think exposing the dark hand and the network. I always go to the network. I always go to the server because that's the that's the center, you know, of the of the network. Um, I, I still think that's the way we got to approach this. You know, unplug the machine at the at the source. We can't just turn off one of the light bulbs. You yeah. know, in building four four hundred eighty two. You know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the restroom again, but then I've got it kind of coming in together. I, I, maybe I've got the the king daddy of all the conspiracies to answer this. <laughs> well, see, there you have it. Um, you know, I, um, I know there was probably some of uh, the females in the audience were thinking about, you know, when, uh, when, uh, yeah, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, thinking about when Tommy was talking about the shower and soaping himself and, and it could have gotten out of control right then and there, Jesse, but you, uh, the steadfastness that you had to keep this, uh, podcast on track and and the steadfastness that i had 
uh, really pulled us through here, I think. I mean, that, that whole shower scene, steamy shower scene, could have gotten out of hand. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty wild ride that we're on. And, you know, we it's uh, not sure how things are, you know, going or what things are happening. You know, we want to hope for the best. We want to hope for the goodness of humanity. We want to hope there's, you know, a, a, a white hat faction that is, you know, opposing some of this darkness and, you know, some good things are happening. And I got a lot of friends who are, you know, really into that, you know, um, you know, thinking that, you know, everything by April is going to go open up and all the vaccines are coming down and, you know, th things are really going to be exposed and we're all going to be on to this next next five dimension of life. And, you know, there's a lot of psychics out there that are predicting and a lot of people have good hope and good faith that this is all coming together. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding until we see that, you know, some of these, you know, networks, you know, BlackRock and Vanguard and, you know, some of these psychopaths gates and, you know, things that are, I believe, are really causing the destruction on Earth here until we see that we're starting to come together, that it's been exposed and we're starting to heal on, you know, the news networks, right? Because as long as they're still controlling the news networks, there's still black darkness controlling the narrative. It's they're still controlling what's going on because they're, you know, we are manifestors, creators, you know, there's 7 billion of us, 7.5 billion of us here manifesting. And if we're living in this fear that everything is, you know, under these, you know, dark hat rule and everything is going to be destroyed. That's what we're going to manifest, that it's going to be destroyed. So it really comes down to once the news networks are starting to, you know, really tell what's going on. And, you know, then we can actually, you know, maybe have some faith that, you know, we're actually on the, the winning track and we don't have to worry about this, you know, whole nightmare, you know, destroying everything here. Well, like, there's an old saying in the news business, you can only sue one network at a time to end fake news. So I, I'm doing my part. But Tommy, I'm so glad you're back. Um, a lot of ladies, uh, when you left, went back to your little uh, fantasy that you painted for them about you soaping yourself down in a lukewarm shower. And what? You, 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 remember, you remember that. You put it out there, Tommy. That was uh, an about analogy. Oh, that was an analogy. Okay, okay. So, so okay, Aaron. I, I, never Aaron even, I never even mentioned soap in that analogy. Now you're projecting, man. Okay, Aaron. Aaron, uh, we got to pull the Tommy Kerrigan a lukewarm shower soap that we're, we were selling. Listen, with, uh, I will the, absolutely hawk that if I can get a couple bucks. I will. Okay. All right. Well, Aaron, put it back on the put it back. Uh, on the web. Please re up. Put it back the, on the please re up the uh, production on that. Um, okay, go ahead, so, Tommy. You had so, a conspiracy theory to end all conspiracy theory. Well, I don't know if it's the one to end all woman, but so if the thing where it seems to be going right is to <clears throat> push an acceptance of or even a yearning for robots doing everything, and as Jesse said, it's well, we don't even need you know, we're thinking about well, who are the people operating the autonomous or the robot? And it's like, well, no, 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 they're, they're going to be autonomous, right? They're going to do it. We don't need someone doing it. It's all just going to be machines. What that eventually pushes towards is selective evolution for better, stronger, faster AI, right? It's we all are, you know, how come they don't just kill off the humans? Well, they're, they're still using us, right? You know, a hundred years ago, it's like, well, no, we still need them. They run all the textile machines and the metal presses. And so even now it's like the AI is good. 
the drones, it still requires human assembly. You know, we are, we're still digging up the ore, melting and smelting and, you know, driving the ships and stuff. But they're slowly picking off pieces of it, right, making it more autonomous. If we keep pushing this, though, just like how we all, you know, when you buy a phone and I buy a phone, like we're driving that technology that way, right? When more people start ordering salads or, you know, uh, hormone-free chicken or something, the reason why people don't initially do it is why? Right? Because it's very expensive to eat healthy. It's a lot easier to eat fast food. But when everyone starts, you know, looking for a salad or a keto meal, it takes a decade, but all of a sudden the corporations, the Wendy's, the whatever, the Whole Foods, they start to go, this is what we want now. Now we're going to bring it to market. And it becomes cheaper and cheaper because it's where the new trend goes. So if we're all pushing towards this thing or being pushed by Klaus Schwab and co or whoever for things to be more and more autonomous, then we're only going to be pushing for more and more powerful AI. Who benefits from that? Well, the elites, right? They want more control. Or is there a nascent AI somewhere who's playing this chess game even farther ahead out than like the World Economic Forum? Is it going, how do I take people offline from living in the real world to it's under the guise of the metaverse and Snapchat and Pornhub on your phone? To what is it really doing? It's pushing greater and greater automation and AI. Who really benefits the most from that? An AI yeah, I, that's maybe not... I mean, I, I know that's way out there, but what else would an AI do? It would try to come to power. I, I talk to this... I call this the deep blue, you know, the chess... Yeah, the first time Gary the Kasparov. computer beat... Yeah, yeah. And did, did you... Have you interviewed Gary Kasparov? No, no? I should. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, that'd be a good interview. Uh, he's a very uh, Gary is AI taking like, over the world to be like, how the hell did you get my phone number? <laughs> <laughs> the AI sent me get, Gary. get off my property. But, but uh, I'm actually going to interview Stephanie Senoff. She just was on the Laura Ingram show. She's actually from MIT and with AI and robotics and stuff like that. But she's also delved deep into the you know vaccines. So I just saw her. I I went. I researched her email address was right on. I sent her an email, and she's going to be on the missing link in a couple of weeks. And she's uh, senior in MIT on AI wow. technology. So I'm going to be able to ask some of these questions to her. George. Yeah, we were over in the shadow of, of, oh, sorry. Yeah, we were over in the shadows of Michigan, University of Michigan in Ann in at Arbor. And a lot of the people who used to teach at Liberty Learning Center uh, were uh, PhDs at Michigan. Uh, so they were kind of teaching kids, you know, how to do math, you know, that had autism and, you know, uh, but then it got shut down by Klaus Schwab. It was just the craziest thing, right? But these, these folks were also closely associated with a nano lab and they were doing replacement synthetic drugs that you can take ivermectin and make that illegal and then come up with an analog of ivermectin synthetically and make it the only thing that you're allowed to buy. You could, uh, Malone was doing something similar with synthetic tobacco and DARPA was doing something similar with synthetic tobacco. And you just take everything and make it synthetic and make the natural product illegal or, or say it's uh, like uh, Rockefeller did, quackery, 
right? And then we find out it's all the original stuff that they used because they knew it worked, and then they created the the, the synthetic analog. Um, and we 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 tracked it this, uh, since 2017. My partner and I, research partner and I, she was an ex cop. We tracked these 12 girls in the nano lab. They were living all right there in you know Kalamazoo and uh, Novi. We tracked them. They they go across the country in a in a Thelma and Louise tour of toxic clouds. I'm not kidding. They're they're letting off these toxic clouds at these Republican barbecues, uh, in the papers and everything. And they end up you know filing their expense report over at Fort Bragg when they're ready to go back to uh, Russia. And uh, you know it's like what what came out of that? What came out of the news from this toxic cloud tour of the Russian nano girls? Uh, uh, they were uh, bots for Trump. They were bots for Trump. Uh, you know, that was the CNN reporting that they were bots for Trump. What about all the toxic clouds? What about their parents living in Novi? What about them coming and going like uh, with State Department, uh, you know, stamps stamps at the ready for their visas? It's, it's very tough. Um, it's very tough to, to punch through the narrative. Uh, and we're just presenting the facts. How do these people get in the country? How did you know? I wrote a, um, a, a lawsuit against the DNC uh, outlining exactly how people who were supporting Bernie Sanders, like my, me, the, my last three contributions were Bernie Sanders, exactly how they did it. They took the Act Blues normal thing that you, when you send money and they changed it to Act, Act Blue to Act Blues, which is a totally different URL and went into a different place. That came out, that language in my paragraph from my lawsuit was printed by Rod Rosenstein in the indictment of those 12 ladies 10 months later. You know, how would I know that? Well, I wasn't psychic. I actually looked at what they did and how they defrauded all the Bernie people and diverted all that money to Hillary. That's why I was mad as a Democrat. I wasn't mad because, uh, you know, Trump, beat Hillary, I was mad because Bernie got cheated. Uh, so the, 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 you mentioned it right there, uh, Jesse, breaking through the false narratives with facts is the hardest thing in the world. That's my number one frustration is having the answer. Like I said, one hour into the Potomac group, we had 18 NATO Banassi uh, NATO people that were involved in live exercise. And, and we're just like, ah, this is kind of obvious. Why, why isn't everyone agreeing with us and just saying, wow, Pulitzer, you know, boom, you're done. Instead, we get attacked by CNN, Forbes, Reuters, uh, AP, uh, 60 Minutes. Uh, it's it's uh, Anybody out there who's got a good idea other than suing CNN, let me know. <laughs> Tommy, to answer your question about, you know, the who's behind there, like the pulling the strings. So throughout time, we've had these rulers, you know, like King David with Merlin or, you know, with these people, they have these wizards or kind of the people, they're psychics that are kind of telling them. But now the AI is maybe telling these people how to operate things they're the ones so but the ai is smart enough to know if we eliminate the human population let's do it this direction that's how we're going to be able to overtake even all of their human masters right the people that are controlling them so you know that's where we're kind of in the point in time where we're going to let these 
technologies, you know, take over and, you know, turn this into a wasteland, which is good for them, but not good for life on Earth. The, my my kind of like plot hole I've always the idea. It's I mean it's in every movie, every story, every hypothesis about the robots taking over. Is I I just don't see why why they would have to kill us humans. I feel like that's I feel like that's our own arrogance and ego. Like they'd have to knock us off because we're the big dogs on campus, and it's like. Dude, if these are robots with a hive mind and they can survive in orbit or at the bottom of the ocean, they might look at us and be like, I mean, we don't eradicate all ants. It's not like the ants are like, the humans are going to take us out. No, we're so infinitely beyond. Yeah, if you're in our way, we'll bulldoze you and put down a road or a sidewalk. But like, we don't, it's not like we're going to like nuking the forest to get rid of the ants and the scorpions. No, they're so peripheral to us. We're just like, oh, yeah, no, those things are, the, you know, the next closest competitor would be a monkey or an ape. And what do we do? We have 100,000 of them behind cages. And the only times we shoot them is because they got out and ran around our city. Did they pose a threat? No, nah, they're just kind of being assholes. Shoot them. When I think about, like, AI, like, having to wipe out the human race. Why? They're so beyond, they would be so beyond powerful that it would mean nothing if we still existed to them like but we have souls and they don't have souls and for it's not as much as much as wiping us out as making it unlivable so it would be a, a you know an area for you know them to be able to thrive they don't need humans that's what we I mean need is, we need we need them they don't need us that's what i mean is we would be so it wouldn't be that they were like for or against us they would just be they would just be indifferent to us you know, it's when you see birds outside chirping, it, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't affect us. We're putting satellites into orbit and putting up fiber optic cables. And it's not that we, the birds are like, oh, they didn't wipe us. They didn't wipe us out so they could have a human friendly world. No, we just look at them and we're like, yeah, they're birds. They're chirping. They're kind of annoying. Some of them are cute. Like, I think robots could be so advanced and so lethal and, and so superior. that They'd look at us and be like, they'd be as indifferent to us as they would leaves falling off of a tree in autumn they would just be like yeah they're humans they're kind of interesting but we have the power of the finger the threat to them to press a button and turn them off so we're actually a threat to them because you know we could turn them off at any time sure and but until they evolve so much beyond us that we're not a threat to them we're not a threat are apes a threat to us no no we came from them sure i mean they can stand up straight and have opposable thumbs and they make simple tools a threat to us we'd what we'd fly a drone over if we really wanted to if we really wanted to we get on top of a black hawk helicopter with a minigun and wipe out all apes they're not they're not a threat that's what i mean it's like i feel like it's our own and i'm guilty of it too it's like our own arrogance to think that like robots would need to remove us like what's the one leading you know one argument's like they want to get rid of humans so that you know the ecosystem can go back why if there are things that communicate at light speed and they could go and go seed life other or not life just go set up their own you know backup drives on the on mars and on the moon and i think they would look at us just with such they would look at us as such indifference netflix it's not like netflix is bombing blockbuster locations no they just they just became the dominant thing and blockbusters are just kind of like tombstones does that make sense i mean obviously it's all just my own wild opinions but 
I look like I'm getting yeah, Georgia migraine. <laughs> no, no. It, I, I, I think about what you're saying and what's scaring is I don't have a rejoinder, you know, to it. I, I think it's not good. And uh, I think that the only, I, I agree with Jesse though, you got to find a dark hand to have the finger to say, no, you get, we're taking your finger off of the thing. Yeah. And now we're putting somebody, I mean, if it has to be a 17 year old or 18 year old Ukrainian girl with high cheekbones in Tel Aviv, uh, working for the IDF, shooting people down uh, with the TACOM robot uh, in the RoboCop world, so be it. Um, but that's better than having the dark hand with Klaus Schwab. Uh, so, all right, gentlemen, right there <laughs> is, is is a good discussion. And we will be selling those IDF, uh, Girls of the IDF posters and bikinis, uh, along with the TACOM remote uh, video game uh for uh, crowd control uh, a little bit later this afternoon. It comes with the drones. It's an optional package. You can have these surveillance drones and the minigun support is an optional package uh, for the helicopter support. This podcast Tommy sponsored can... by Raytheon. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and Jesse, uh, don't let's not leave out the Canadians who want to feel warm uh, because we do have an, an, a nano uh, uptake uh, module to the gaming system for all 6G fans who are really big fans of the 95 gigahertz frequencies. So I think, you know, the great thing about this uh, kind of kumbaya moment here is we have something for everybody that wants to do remote killing. I mean, it, it's just, if you're a Chertoff fan, you really have a lot of different ways to go on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> can you play us out, Jesse, with the missing link? Uh, yeah, I can. I just wanted to make a disclaimer, and maybe this helps with the YouTube, is that we're not medical professionals. We're not giving anybody any medical advice. We're just talking about the issues that are at hand. So, you know, we're not doing any medical, you know, telling people that you should or shouldn't do anything. Research, research, research. We're just discussing three guys here, discussing different topics. And, you know, we're not trying to sway anybody to do anything medically. So I just wanted to put that out there. Maybe that might help with some. If you, if you tell me, go ahead. If you get medical advice from me, George or Jesse, then God help your soul. (laughs) I don't even why? I don't listen, to, from, my, I don't listen to my from, own advice. Get it from Klaus Schwab. I mean, if you really are up against the wall, tell us your next appearance uh, out there, Jesse, on the missing link. Um, so we've got uh, Dr. Daryl Wolf coming up. He was supposed to come up on Wednesday, um, but uh, he uh, we were supposed to come on Wednesday, but I've got an appointment at that time, so he might not be able to. I'm just trying to figure out the time. Dr. Daryl Wolf, he's going to come for a third time on The Missing Link. Uh, we've got Christopher Key from the Vaccine Police. He was just thrashed on the Jimmy Kimmel live show about, uh, you know, his stance against the vaccines. Um, he was talking about urine therapy could help with coronavirus. So now he's they're trying to make him the laughing stock of, of America, you know, even hammering him on. So he'll be, he's got uh, kicked off of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So he's totally permanently deleted on those three, um, channels. So we have him coming up, um, on the 26th 
And then on the 27th, we've got Sambo Patrick. She's a nurse from Australia. We also got Tammy Jane from Australia. She's, you know, gained a big following talking about, you know, different things that are going on. And then we got Kimberly Ridgeway. Um, she's, we're going to be talking about uh, Rick Simpson oil and talking about how, um, you know, anybody that's going through some severe health ailments, cancers and different things can take some cannabis oil, Rick Simpson oil. We're going to really, you know, kind of shine the light on how these alternative therapies may be able to help you when, you know, you have, uh, you know, no other options. Do you think Mark Zuckerberg's a robot? <laughs> I, I think he's been cloned. I, I, I just have a feeling he's been cloned for some reason. What would be more brilliant of a CIA asset than to, instead of having an asset that you have to blackmail, but to have a literal humanoid? <laughs> I was just... Well, it's definitely a possibility. As you can tell, my uh, my my cognitive function and uh, and and in theory postulation abilities go down two hours into the podcast. <laughs> Craig from but, Scotland says yes. <laughs> Craig knows. Here's, here's the good news, Tommy. You are selling us some soap. And that's I'm selling what I like. you some soap. Whether you're in the new world under Klaus Schwab's evil hand or whether we break free from the robot tyranny, you're going to need to get clean. You can order Tommy's body soap. Yeah. And so speaking of Tommy's body soap, Tommy, why don't you tell us, everyone's talking about it, this TPC broadcast, the Tommy, we can't say the middle name, Kerrigan, uh, and uh, TPC is uh, available all across, uh, I believe, um, Twitter. Rumble, and- BitChute, Odyssey, Spotify, Twitter, not YouTube, Permaban from YouTube. And um, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, Tommy's podcast on, on Rumble. Just Google, Google like Tommy's podcast, Robert Malone. Those are the most viewed episodes. Those are what, those are what will probably bring you to my channel. George uh, Webb is up there George in your Webb podcast, well. Greatest Hits. Greatest uh, how, 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 am I number four now out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds? Or how far am I up near the top? I have no idea. Come on, you, check that out next time. I want to were in the, the top. Card. You were in the top five. I think they've all been replaced by Malone. I think Malone is number one oh, yeah. five now. Total Monopoly. It's been a silent coup. My podcast has been overtaken. Well, that's okay. You know, I mean, uh, Mark Kulak, the great Mark Kulak, is in the chat. Husatonic live. Check him out. I think he's going to broadcast today. So that's the next thing you got to go check out. Husatonic live, like the river in Connecticut. And he uh, says Malone and uh, this Cena Bavari that he's done such great research work on uh, worked together on Zika. They worked on, together on Ebola, and they worked together on Corona. And so did Michael Callahan. So there's there's a trio, uh, if you ever want to follow a trio. Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen. Thank you for our good, good friend Jesse Hall up there north of the border for making this all happen with StreamYard. And uh, we really appreciate you, Tommy, and your uh, comedy stylings as well as your AI pontifications. And I want to, hopefully, we could play this out with the missing link promo. It would be a great way to end the show. Okay, here we go. Bye, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Everyone.